It's episode 36, and this is a jam-packed pod from William Warren from Atlanta. William is the founder and CEO at The Sketch Effect. It's a visual communications business based in Atlanta. They elevate ideas through remarkable visual communication. In other words, they harness the power of visual communication to make their clients' ideas understandable, memorable, and shareable. William works with Google, Chick-fil-A, Delta, Kimberly Clark, Home Depot, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, mattress firm Siemens, intercontinental ho- hotel groups, and many more. Some amazing clients. Beyond leading and growing the sketch effect, he can be found hanging with his family, making homemade barbecues, scuba diving, or travelling. Please enjoy the episode, and thanks for being a fab listener. Support me by subscribing and telling your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, today I'm talking to William Warren. How are you, William? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. You're joining us from Atlanta. That's right. Atlanta, Georgia, here on the East Coast. We have a lot of storms lately, so I'm hoping that our power won't go out while we're on this call, but uh, happy to be here. I'll have to ad-lib if you disappear. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, so you're founder and uh, CEO at the Sketch Effect. That's right. I've got the best job in the world. Um, I love what I do. We have an awesome team, an awesome brand. And uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing a little bit more about it to your listeners. You've been going there for what, seven years? Is that right? Just over seven years. Yeah. So officially 2013, the fall of 2013 was when I uh, quit my job in corporate marketing and uh, started this crazy sketch business from scratch. And we've grown every year ever since. With the minor exception of 2020, there's something that happened last year that you may have experienced also that had some disruptive effects on our business. But we uh, have rebounded and are having a great year this year. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey. I, I can't think of anything that may have happened in 2020. No, nothing comes to mind, right? No. So uh, just to frame this for everyone, we're going to be talking about the... Uh, making events more visual uh, by uh, making them more exciting, adding the wow factor. Um, Very much it was face-to-face real-life events, but now uh, virtual and hybrid events, but how we can really bring that visual side to events. And then and then also, whilst we've got you, uh, we might tap into some of the, the other subjects that you, you talk about, which is uh, things like active listening, uh, and also uh, going from sort of a, a creative to setting up your own small business and the things to think about and how to get that revenue and how to get that growth. So those are just some of the things that we're going to be covering today. If you are listening and you'd like to ask any questions, please do uh, use the chat. We're live on Facebook, we're live on LinkedIn, and we are live on YouTube. Um, and uh, and of course, if you're listening uh, to us on the podcast, uh, that's uh, fabulous for being here. Please do hit that subscribe button if you enjoy this content as well. So, William, how did you get in? Why did you create the sketch effect, and 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 what's it all about? Great question. So, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I never set out to start a business or to run a company. Um, so I kind of 
happened into this by accident, really. Um, and so to back to back up a little bit, um, you know, growing up, I was always obsessed with drawing and sketching and illustration. Always loved cartoons and comics, and um, for me, that was like my first love. I always just loved to to draw, get the pen on the paper, and sketch out ideas um, in the form of visual stories. And um, so that was always kind of my my passion uh, growing up, and did it a little bit on the side, kind of freelance uh, throughout my my younger years, and then. Throughout my uh, early career, had a few twists and turns and ended up in a corporate marketing job at a large quick service uh, fast food uh, company here in the States. And um, it was a great it was a great role. Learned a ton about marketing, learned a ton about leadership and business. It was sort of my crash course in business. And, um, and so it was great. Learned a ton. However, the creative side of me was not being fully leveraged. The creative passion in my, in my soul was kind of starting to shrivel up. And so in order to have a creative outlet in my job, I would uh, just draw during meetings. Uh, either I would draw in my own little sketchbook, my notebook, um, just to kind of doodle doodle out the ideas that we were talking about. Or if I was leading a meeting, I would hop up on the whiteboard and kind of visually scribe out kind of what we were talking about. Um, if I had a presentation to give, I would sketch out my concepts and scan them in and put them into my PowerPoint deck. Again, this was just for me to have a creative outlet, um, just to kind of get to draw at work in my in my role that didn't have a lot of drawing as part of the job description. Um, but what I realized is that people found value in that form of communication. They found value in taking images and visual concepts and, and marrying it with uh, communication. Um, they found value in taking ideas and presenting them in a way that's visual. And so um, what happened was people around the company started to ask me to come and do sketching for their meetings, which wasn't my job description. So I did a little bit and then word spread. And then people outside of the company found out that there was this guy named William who uh, has this weird skill of drawing out ideas. And so they offered to give they offered me money <laughs> to come do it for them. And so I took PTO, took some time off and would fly uh, to different um, cities around the US and sketch in people's meetings and conferences. And the more I learned about it, I realized this was really cool. There was this kind of growing industry uh, called graphic recording or graphic facilitation that I was just learning about, sketch noting, visual communicating. And I was really intrigued by it. And so based on that, based on that kind of demand, that momentum and just personal passion I had in it, I decided to quit my job and start a business that was all about helping others communicate their ideas visually. And you've now got a, a team of, what is it 17 of you? Correct. We've got about 10 full-time team members and we have about eight, eight or nine uh, contractors. Um, and yeah, we do a lot of work all over, um, all over the world pre-pandemic. We would, would fly um, all over the United States then outside the US. Um, now with virtual events, which we'll get into, we're, we're working with clients all over the world from Australia to uh, Saudi Arabia to uh, Germany to um, Latin America, and so yeah, we've had a lot of growth over the last few years. And it's like I said, it's been it's been a roller coaster, but it's been mostly a great journey, and um, we've had a lot of fun. You, one of the things, whilst you were talking just then around virtual events, is that one of the things that I found is that um, where organisations have had to move to virtual, which of course you know most have it, they've either stopped doing events or they've moved to virtual. They, they, of course, offline events cost a lot of money. Virtual events, in comparison, are 
you know, a lot less budget. Does that mean that they've got more budget for the likes of bringing someone like yourself in to add that wow factor? Potentially, yeah. With virtual events, uh, you know, before with in-person, you had to consider the venue and the food and the entertainment and um, like, uh, you know, giveaways and prizes. There's all these things you had to think about. With, with virtual events, there's really only two levers to pull, visual and verbal, what people are seeing and what people are hearing. And so while, while people have scaled down their budgets relative to what they would have spent on an in-person event, um, they have to invest more in the verbal and the visual. And yeah. so with the sketch effect, with what we're doing, which is virtual sketching, virtual live sketching or virtual graphic recording, um, our clients have found that it's a really worthy investment because it, it, it helps them connect the dots visually. It helps bring a visual element um, to make sure they're not just getting the verbal right, but they're also getting the visual side of their virtual event right as well. Um, so yeah, we've seen a lot of interest in what we're doing. Everybody's craving something different, something new, um, not only just for a cool factor, but also just to make the event more engaging, more effective, to make the takeaways more relevant, to extend the engagement after people click the little button and sign out of the virtual event. So uh, it's been a lot of fun to add value in that way uh, as we've all adjusted to this world of virtual events, um, which we're all figuring out every day. Yeah, well, I think that take the, that takeaway part is really important because I think um, depending on the event, there can be so much information and so much going on that it's difficult to grab the some of the key things out of it. And and yes, okay, you could go back the next day and watch the whole event again, uh, but some of us don't have the time to do stuff like that. So I think uh, I can see a huge value in summarizing. And, uh, and and really homing in on on some of the key aspects, some of the, the key things that have happened. And I can see how then uh, that can help during, because it can help focus the mind on people that are watching, but also uh, post, as you say, sort of extend the virtual event. I, c I can see how that can be really helpful uh, in, in then sharing that. So th th that takeaway part, I guess when you first started sketching meetings what was the what was the it was the doodling wasn't it it yeah. wasn't the, it wasn't the takeaway i guess yeah so the takeaway back in the early days was literally a doodle on a whiteboard <laughs> or yeah. um or uh a sketch on a roll of paper and so you know um pre-pandemic the takeaway was physical yeah. uh people got to keep the actual physical sketch um and we have always also provided a digital version so we'd photograph the sketch as well so people not only would keep their physical sketch um you know a roll of paper or a sketch on a foam foam board or something but they'd also get a, a digital version of it um a photograph that we would then edit and clean up and make it look nice um but then as technology evolved our team got more and more into ver or into digital sketching so using a tablet in the drawing uh, drawing program and uh, we were actually extremely grateful that we got into that because in 2019, we equipped our entire team with iPads and we did our entire training on how to draw digitally because it's a big shift for an artist um, going from using pen and paper and markers and ink in a tactile way to using uh, a program and working in pixels and layers and all that. It's a big shift. So in 2019, we did a big uh, initiative to train our team and equip our team to draw digitally. And then a few months later, the world shut down and we were very grateful that we had made that decision when we did because we were ready to pivot immediately to offer digital sketching done virtually through a program like Zoom or you know Microsoft Teams or GoToMeeting. Um, so yeah, the takeaway is super important. And that's you know one of the things we, we, we emphasize the most, which is that 
with an in-person event, once the event's over, people linger in the lobby, they hang out in the hotel bar, they're sharing cabs to the airport, they're, they're riding planes home. So they have a lot of time to process what they've learned at their event. They have a lot of time to just kind of soak in it a little bit. But with virtual events, people click the button and then they're gone. And then they're on to the next email, the next thing, the next meeting. And so the sketch effect, the work we're doing, we want to extend the value and keep that conversation going after that virtual events over. Um, and so providing visual, compelling visuals for people to remember it is how we do it. Yeah, that, that's so true. I can resonate with that, that, you know, once you do leave an event, you literally, because you're, because you're at your computer and at your desk, you, you do go on to the next thing. And so you don't have that recap time or that reflection time at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's a, a, a really important point that ironically you're making me reflect on. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's, it's so true, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's and I, and I, and I can see how um, there'll be many things, including the sketch effect, how you could really uh, help with that situation. So exactly, yeah, exactly. And um, at the end of the day, we just want to add value to these events. I mean, it's not ideal to live in a, in a pandemic, and we're making the most of it. And so our mindset is, if we can make a virtual event a little better and make people understand what they're learning and then take action. Like that's, that's a win for us. So what are the type of events that work really well for, uh, for what you offer? I know you work very closely with uh, corporate event planners, whether that's in-house or, uh, or whether it be uh, consultants, but what, what type of events are the ones that really match and work and where you can add the most value? That's a great question. Um, and the answer is, almost all of the above. Uh, we've done everything from uh, corporate summits with keynote speakers, CEO presentation. We've done uh, student kind of roundtables where uh, we're talking to universities and they're doing breakout sessions and working through topics. We've done um, virtual trade shows where we're in a virtual booth and kind of sketching for people to see like a product. Um, Webinars is an obvious one. Um, you know, with with a webinar, um, we help you know capture all the ideas visually, which then provides extra extra value to all the attendees, and then also helps sell the next webinar because event webinar organizers can send out the sketch to people and say, "This is what you missed. You know, you signed up, um, so don't miss the next one because this content's great. You're gonna love it." Um, uh, just tomorrow, in two days, we're doing a closed door five person. Uh, strategic planning session um, with a large corporation here in the States um, with their leadership team. Um, so we'll do like these tiny intimate little uh, design thinking sessions all the way up to these big kind of ticketed webinars with thousands and thousands of attendees. So it's, uh, it's all over the map. And in terms of in-person stroke uh, virtual, so hybrid where I, I, I assume that's only going to play to your skills and you know, what, what, what's well, let's, let's just ask a bigger question because you know, you obviously work a lot in the event industry. What are your thoughts in terms of the future of events? It's a great question. That's one that we get asked a lot. Um, I do think that we're going to, I think we'll end up in a place where we're doing both in-person events and virtual events with excellence. And I think what we're learning is that some events cater better to virtual, um, you know, uh, you can get people on quicker. It's better people's calendars. 
Um, and then other events obviously cater better to in-person ones that are more about culture and relationships and experiences. And um, so I think we're going to end up in a place where we're doing both a lot of in-person events and they're going to be awesome. And we're going to be doing a lot of virtual events and they're going to be awesome. And then I do think that we will see this sort of hybrid um, expectation form where, where uh, event organizers will be expected to have both an in-person option for people that want to do that and then a virtual version of it that folks can opt into as well. And so um, I think we're going to end up in this kind of blended state, you know, whether it's in six months or eight months or a year, whatever it is. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to try to ride the wave and try to be on the cutting edge of, of innovation in this space. I get I guess we've just got to look at the sports sector. So, you know, ultimately, uh, a, a game of football, what we call it in the UK, uh, <laughs> um, is a, is a an in-person and a virtual event at the same time. And that's been like that for many, many years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, perhaps we all need to be looking at the, 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 the sports industry and, and, and thinking about how, you know, what we, what we could learn from them, perhaps, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just thinking because this isn't hybrid is nothing new. That's the point I'm making there. Right. Uh, it's just that, that this industry is now, thinking about it exactly uh, and, and prior to that it was one or the other and i think the, the, there's so many pros you know to, to to each one so virtual you know you've got the pros of being able to get a much wider audience that are, are that are available uh, again from a speaker's point of view um uh you know the, the commitment that a speaker makes is so much less so much they don't have to make as big a commitment so it, it really does open it up but of course, in person, you can't, you know, can't beat that face to face and the reality and the the sort of the buzz and the, 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 the you know, what you see. So, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's anything for us to to learn there. The, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I think with with sports is a great example that you, the super fans are the ones that are going to be in the seats. The people yeah, that really want to yeah. really want to invest in the experience and the folks that are still fans, but maybe don't have the time or the money or, or the option to travel in. Um, they're the ones that will be uh, processing it or, or experiencing it virtually. So. So, so, so come on in 2019, you were uh, getting your artists on iPads. What was the real reason for that? Because you didn't see virtual being as big as this surely. Yeah, the real reason is that, uh, you know, we're always just trying to innovate our product and try to offer our clients different options. Um, and so a lot of our clients said they'd seen us do the markers on paper. They'd seen us do um, the sketching on big boards or big murals. And so um, we wanted to give another option. And so with digital sketching, um, clients have the option to stream it. Um, you know, they had an option to, to record it and then to stream it to a, a virtual platform. We weren't thinking that all events would be virtual. We thought it would, this would just be kind of an option, yeah. you know, like a, like an add on, like a peripheral thing. <laughs> um, so it was really just for us to offer a more diverse product mix to our clients. Um, and it, it, it also artistically, we can do some really cool things with digital sketching that you can't do with physical. Like we can move stuff around, we can resize things. We can, we can pick a color palette that matches a brand's uh, brand standards exactly to the RGB code um so there's a lot of other there's kind of there's a different set of things we can do with the digital sketch so that's why we were getting in diving more into it in 2018 and 2019 and then of course it became the only thing in 2020 
Well, it's brilliant that you were doing that. What just for people that are uh, watching or listening right now, in terms of the uh, virtual events, and um, if there was a an event planner uh, thinking about how they could add more uh, value and and make 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 events more visual, what would be some of the top tips you could share? Yeah, so one is obviously work with us. <laughs> That's the obvious one is to hire us. Um, but you know, I think that um, beyond that. Um, you know, with the fact that that budgets are are um, you know not you don't need a budget for like flights and lodging and, and meals and all that. I just encourage uh, clients to really invest in the audio visual of their event. Like it needs to be top notch. So if you're gonna have video content, um, go all out, make great video content. If you're gonna have slides, go all out and make a great slide present a presentation. Um, you know, I think obviously sketch effect were an option. You know, having a live sketch artist on the screen keeps people engaged visually, people can follow along. Um, and then even beyond that, we always encourage our clients to extend the uh, the visual um, or, or rather to get their audiences sketching on their own too. Like, you know, okay. just for fun, like we, our team, our team at the Sketchfact, we'll just do like a, a fun little team virtual meeting and we'll do like a visual, like a Pictionary where we put a minute on the clock and we draw something and everyone holds up their holes of their sketches and it can get pretty goofy and pretty fun. Um, so there's some games you can play. There's a game called Telestrations, which is a lot of fun. Um, you can play that digitally. Um, so yeah, I just think it, uh, folks need to just always be thinking about how can they dial up the visuals of their event? You know, it's not, it's people, um, event organizers should not expect to take their in-person slide deck and just throw it on a Zoom and expect it to succeed. It won't, because uh, it's not the same as being in-person. Yeah. Um, and you know, with a speaker, normally when they're on stage at an in-person, they're, they're walking the stage. It's dynamic. They can see their, they can see their gestures. They can see them moving around with virtual. It's just, it's just flat screen. So if you know, you're seeing a little talking head and then a boring slide deck, people are going to tune out. So, well, I, I was about to say exactly that because, you know, we've, we've spoken, uh, at a virtual conference recently. And in fact, that was exactly the format where you've got this big slide deck, small talking head, but, but that's just so not engaging because you're right. If you were in the room, normally you'd be on the stage, you'd be walking around, you'd have, a, you'd have quite a, a presence. So, you know, just purely the fact that we, that, that, uh, that we're still having these big slides, small head, that's totally wrong, isn't it? Yep. You can't take your, your, your playbook for an in-person event, whether you're a planner or a speaker or a presenter, and then just apply the same play to a virtual. It's not going to, it's not going to work. Um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the same. It's a different medium. It's a different, um, but, but it's a different set of uh, variables. Interestingly, I'm not sure that the platforms have realized this because if you look at zoom, if you look at, um, uh, uh, teams just as, as two, uh, but also some of the event platforms that we will be familiar with as well. There are, there are very few options to take, to change sizes. So, so you are literally, if you're sharing a screen, you share the entire, you know, it's a big screen and you've got a small head. Um, uh, and so I wonder if it, if actually it's the platforms that are, are actually still behind and, and, and don't realize they need to change. Yeah, that's a great point. And there, there are some more robust virtual event platforms out there. Like I, I know the event that we both spoke at, they offer a really, really cool platform. There's a platform called InEvent, which is really great. There's a platform called uh, SwapCard. There's a platform called, um, gosh, there's a bunch. But yeah, it, a standard Zoom does not give you, I mean, Zoom is great for what it is, but it doesn't give you a ton of flexibility in terms of the visual layout and kind of windows and frames and what people can see. 
and click on. Um, so yeah, that's another thing I would encourage people to do is to invest and learn a really good um, event platform that gives you more functionality to um, to make it as visual as possible. Because here's the thing, when you're on a virtual event, you are try you are competing with the internet for people's attention. I mean, literally billions of options out there that are going to be way more exciting than your virtual event. You might think it's exciting, but it's probably not going to be more exciting than someone's Twitter feed or their Facebook or their best blog or their email inbox or their calendar or, or uh, their text messages, whatever it is. I mean, virtual event organizers are competing against all those things. So yeah. if, if, if your event doesn't have visuals dialed up to the max and uh, high quality, yeah, audio visual, high quality content um, and fast paced content, that's another thing. It's just kind of moving quickly through stuff. It's going to you're going to lose people's attention quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I and I agree with the the high quality audio and visual because I used to say that it's all about the content. You know, good content. You you tend not to care too much about the audio and the and the video because you're you know it's it's the content that you want. But actually, the the level of content that's out there now, um, it's got to be good content, but it's also got to be something that's easy on the eye, nice to listen to, uh, because otherwise, you know, people just switch off. And especially if they've got you know a really decent laptop or screen and, and you're just giving them this sort of crap visual it's uh <laughs> it's, it's not great is it exactly so, <laughs> so uh you obviously went from uh you're still in the creative industry but of course you went from being a creative to owning your own business that's one of the thing the other things that you talk about so where do creatives get it wrong and 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 where are the the, the, the how do you become uh a, going from creative to sort of generating your own revenue and, and growing a, a small business. Sure. I think where creatives get it wrong is that they think, and understandably so because school trains them to think this way, that if they are the, have the best product or they're, they're best at their craft, then they will be successful in business because they're used to being in school. They're used to be working on a project and they do a great job and they get an A, you know, they get a hundred, whatever, they get a great grade. And they're being graded only on the quality of their product. But uh, I think where creators get it wrong is that when you are in the marketplace and when you're in business, it's not just having the best product. You also have to have great systems. You also have to uh, be great at communication. You have to be great at marketing and branding. And, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, stuff like SEO, like things that I didn't even never know about that matters. Like, um, so I think that um, creatives like myself, we focus so much on just being the best at what we do, whether it's graphic design or animation or illustration, but we also at the same time need to be learning what a PNL is, how to, how to, re how to read a PNL, um, understanding the basis of cash flow, understanding um, the fundamentals of sales, understanding how to draft a contract, how to write a proposal, um, understanding how to organize your business. Like these are some things that are not often taught in art schools um, or they're or they're short change. You're not giving enough, given enough time. And um, so, yeah, that's something that I've learned is just um, that there's a lot that goes into being a great creative professional beyond just having a great craft. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, I can see you reminding me of a book, actually, um, E-Myth Revisited by Michael yeah, Gerber. It's, I don't know if it's you, on my yeah. shelf right behind me. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, so, so I think the first story he starts telling is about, is about a, a baker and she's amazing at baking breads and cakes and all sorts of different things. But, you know, she's then got to, she, she then thinks because of that, she can then 
start her own business and and then there's all the the things that you know you just don't think about and and the systemizing and systems and processes is just so important and yeah. I, I loved that book for for exactly that reason it just made you think and I, in fact i laughed all the way through because i read it probably a bit too late uh and it was like yeah i made that mistake mm, yeah yep. i made that mistake <laughs> I, re so, I, I recommend i recommend that book to everybody who says what is something i can read that will like, where do I start? And I said, yeah. read the, read the e-myth yeah. revisit. There's another one that I like called built to sell. And it's all about how to, how to grow a business. Um, it, uh, that could be sold. Not necessarily that, that I'm doing that or, or, or other people might do it, but you know, a, a sellable business is a good business, like a business that would be appealing to a buyer, to an a, a acquisition or whatever, that is going to be a good business. So either way it's worth building a business that, um, that, uh, embodies the fundamentals in the e-myth and, and things like that. So. so, so, okay. So you educate yourself, you, you get an understanding of all these things. What are the other things that you need to think to put in place? You know, is it about finding a partner? Is it about, uh, um, aligning yourself with maybe a, maybe a, um, an associate business? What, what is it, is it, or is it just about the education and, and understanding? I think it's all those, all the above. So yeah, I think there's a there's a basic fundamentals of business that need that need to be understood. Not necessarily mastered. I think that anyone can start a business and kind of figure it out as as they go. That's kind of what I did. Is just let's just take it day by day. Let's constantly learn, but let's let's learn. Like let's let's figure out how to do this, how to get better. Um, I think the next important thing though does have to do with your time um, and how you delegate work because again, with creatives, we're not taught how to delegate. Um, you know, in art school growing up, we're, we're, we're given a project and we do the whole project from start to finish by ourselves. There might be some collaboration if it's a, a group project, but for the most part, we're doing it by ourselves and we're accountable to ourselves and all that. But in business, um, uh, especially for creatives, time is your most valuable resource. Um, more than anything else, um, my time, how I spend my time will have the, be the best impact either for better or for worse on my business. So um, creatives need to be thinking very quickly, what are the things they can delegate to someone else? Whether it's, um, you know, an assistant or, or um, a part-time employee or a contractor or even a full-time employee, if, if that's the direction people are going in. Um, because your time needs to be allocated to the things that will create the most impact. Um, and so for me, like it's not worth my time to sit and type up all of our invoices and to calculate what, what uh, I need to pay my team and to, and, to, and to calculate what we need to, what bills we need to pay. So I waited way too long to find somebody to help me with this. I waited like two and a half years to find someone to help me do invoices, which is so dumb in hindsight. But the second I did it, I realized, oh, this is great. Now I've got you know, four or five extra hours in my week to spend on growing the business or investing in new strategies or new products. And so I think delegation is a huge one that creators need to think about. And then... Um, and then yeah, we'll we'll stop there. I think that's I, that's that's a big enough one. Yeah, well, I'm, I I I sort of say the same thing because um, I I used to put off uh, paying for apps or software, um, and and it was only that 
you know, once I did it, it was like, oh my God, I wish I'd have done that sooner. And so my advice is, is, you know, if you can see that there's an app that you think might help, don't worry about, you know, paying, you know, if it's going to cost you $30 a month or whatever, just think of the hours that that might give you. Um, and, and even if you end up with 10 apps costing you $30 now a month, as long as they are being efficient and doing the right things and giving you 10 times the hours back or, or whatever it might be, it's worth it. So don't delay, just, you know, mm-hmm. try it. And, and if it helps, then, you know, go for it. Or um, hiring a tax guy, like so many yeah. people are doing their own taxes. And I, I'm just like, I don't have, I don't know how to do it. It's yeah, going to stress yeah, me yeah. out. I'm going to be worrying about doing it wrong. So I'm just going to pay someone to do it, yeah. trust their expertise. And, you know, it's going to seem like it's going to cost a lot, especially to smaller businesses or people that are just starting out. They'll say, what, I've got to pay how much? Yeah. But it's worth it because you get more time and then you can redeploy that time to um, to uh, grow the business and to do the thing that you love the most and the thing that you enjoy the most and the thing that adds the most value. Um, so that's a huge that's a huge lesson that I've learned. Absolutely. So I want to round up on uh, active listening. And the reason that you uh, introduced that was, well, one of the things is, of course, your artists need to, you know, be fully listening and fully engaged when they are sketching away. Um, but what what's your take on active listening and, and, and some of the, the, the tips? And in fact, if anything, my understanding is that, you know, for you, this is everything around, this isn't just work, this is home, life, the whole lot. Absolutely. Active listening is the most important skill that our live artists bring to the table even more than their ability to draw, than their ability to uh, come up with visual concepts. Their ability to listen is the most important skill they bring because what we're doing is, as we've discussed, is we're showing up at these corporate events. We don't know the brand. I mean, we don't know the company. We're, We're not subject matter experts, but our artists are able to immerse themselves in the content, listen on a deeper level, filter out the fluff and really draw out the core ideas and then literally draw them out on paper or, you know, on an iPad. And so, you know, we have had people apply to work for us who are great illustrators, you know, insanely creative, really good at the craft of drawing, but they're just not great listeners. And so um, unfortunately we don't hire them because they need to be a great listener to deliver our product. And so, we've learned a thing or two about listening and actually what happened. And so we, we built this whole curriculum to train our team on how to be better listeners. And that was just an internal resource for our team to, to use. But we had a lot of our clients say, how, are, how can your artists do that? Like, how, how are they, how do they know what to listen for? What do they know to draw? Like they're not experts. And it's, and we say, well, we're, we're all great at listening. And so a few years ago, one of our clients said, can you come share with our team how, how to, how to do it? And, and so I, I kind of did some research and prepared some some content around listening and have shared it with several of our clients and um, folks in, you know, around uh, or teams out there. And yeah, what, one thing I say is that listening is is perhaps the most underrated, but most critical of all skills. Um, you know, we spend years in school and college learning how to read, how to write, uh, how to speak but we have very little formal training on how to listen. It's just kind of expected that people know how to do it. And most of us are terrible at it. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we always emphasize that listening is a skill. It's something that you can get better at. It's something you can work on. And it's like you mentioned, it's, it, it matters in every facet of life in the workplace. If you're a better listener, you'll be a better boss to your team. If you're a better listener, you'll be a better employee. 
if you are in sales or you know you're trying to win win clients and keep clients happy your, your ability to listen will help you be better at selling um but then it's bigger than that you know in family matters in relationship matters uh your ability to listen will lead to deeper more richer relationships fewer miscommunications and then in society you know there's so much going on right now in society and you know if we only just spend a little bit more time listening less time speaking or tweeting or, or posting or whatever you know um i think we'd have a lot fewer a lot less drama a lot less uh, uh division in society so I know that was a lot I just ran through, but you know, I'm a huge fan of, I'm a big believer in power of, of, of active listening. And it's a skill that if you take the time to master, you will just reap tons and tons of benefits from it. You've, you've summarized it really well though. Uh, I like it. What I'm interested in on top of that is perhaps some of your top tips on how to become an active listener and how to, how to improve your listening skills. Yeah, absolutely. So the first tip is that list, active listening is a switch you need to turn on. Like we are not by default actively listening. We're passive listeners. Um, society has taught us to be passive listeners. You know, TV, uh, you know, podcasts like this, like most of the time when we're listening, it's kind of a passive thing where we're, we're taking the content, but we're not taking it to the next level. So first of all, you know, when you are active in an active listening mindset, it is like a literal switch that you're turning on. Um, so that's the first thing is that, um, is to, uh, is to kind of regard it as, as a mode, like a, a shift, like you're shifting into listening gear. Um, and then a second thing is that, um, it's important to acknowledge the distractions when you are uh, in a listening context. That is, you know, there's, uh, there's tons and tons of distractions that are waging war on your ability to listen. And uh, there's both internal distractions and external distractions. So internal distractions are things like, I didn't get much sleep last night. I'm a little bit hungry. Uh, it's cold in this room. Um, I'm daydreaming about my trip coming up. Um, I'm thinking about that argument I got into with my friend last week, whatever. These are all internal distractions. And the thing about internal distractions is that they are not going to go away. Uh, so you have to choose to compartmentalize them and say, I'm going to deal with this later. I'm going to, you know, this distraction, I'm just going to, I know I need, I know I'm hungry, but I'm just going to put it in a box and save it for later because I'm listening right now. Um, then there's also external distractions. So these are things that are in your environment, like um, uh, the, a noisy air conditioning unit, or um, uh, you're sitting next to a window and there's a beautiful view out the window and you're trying to pay attention to the meeting you're in, but you're also looking out the window at the skyline or whatever. Um, or it's you're in, in, a, in an event and the speaker has a weird shirt on. You're wondering why did they choose that color? Why do they wear that awful salmon colored shirt? These are all external distractions. And with external distractions, you need to just choose to ignore them. Just, just choose to ignore them. Um, this is a big one for our, our artists, especially uh, you know pre-pandemic at live events because we'd be working in ballrooms or in conference centers or at uh, you know arenas and you know maybe. Uh, people would be having a meal and be clinking their forks and, you know, drinking, you know, having their drinks and clinking their silverware and it can be really distracting. Or maybe uh, there will be an echo in the room or a reverb. Those are all distractions. So we just have to choose to kind of rise above that. Um, so those are two big ones. And then the third one I'll leave you with is that um, there, that you can listen for cues. Uh, people will give out cues as they're talking kind of signals about how to, how to listen to them. Um, you know, with more professional presenters, 
these cues will be very deliberate. Like they will say, I'm going to give you three things or I'm going to tell you about the ABCs of whatever. And then there'll be like ABC to be an acronym. Um, or the cues will be more subtle. Like they'll say, if you only remember one thing from my talk, it's this, or, or they'll, they'll indicate that they're shifting directions say, okay, now let's move on to whatever. And so these are all verbal cues. Um, but there's also nonverbal cues where, um, if somebody is, uh, changing their pitch or their cadence or their tone, or they're getting really, really like quiet, really soft, or they're getting really loud. Like these are all, these are all indicators. They're, they're like a, they're clues for the listener how to follow along. Um, and really polished speakers are really good at this and they'll, 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 they'll use their cues deliberately, but even people that are not presenting formally, who's having discussion, they'll give cues too. like, they'll repeat themselves a lot, uh, for what's important. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll use metaphors, they'll use symbols. Um, so these are all the cues that we train our artists to listen to and that, um, you know, we encourage folks who want to be a better listener to also look out for as well. Cause the cues are clues to what people are trying to communicate. And so you can follow the cues, use them as clues to, you know, um, get to the heart of the, of the matter. Some brilliant tips there for our active listeners or watchers maybe listeners that are listening right now they've clicked the switch <laughs> yep and <laughs> and maybe they are an event planner a corporate event planner uh, looking to increase the uh, visual appearance of their virtual events what would be the best way to find you uh, william so they can find us at the sketcheffect.com that's the t h e then sketch s k e t c h and then effect with an e the sketcheffect.com um, they can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the sketch effect. So it's, we make it very easy for people to get in touch with us. Uh, again, going back to the systems, uh, we've got, so you just go on our website, we've got a live chat. You can reach us there or send us a contact form and we, we respond within minutes. Um, if folks want to learn more about the work I'm doing with creative, uh, entrepreneurs and kind of training creatives, how to be better at business. Um, I have a website called theconqueringcreative.com theconqueringcreative.com. And it's just a place where I'll, uh, I'll post some tips and some, some templates like business model canvas, um, a delegation guide, like how to draft, a, how to draft a proposal, just some tips to help creatives make business a little bit less intimidating, a little bit less boring and, uh, and, and have to help it, help them tackle, kind of tackle the beast of business. Um, so that's theconqueringcreative.com. Also on Instagram at theconqueringcreative for those who want to see content there. But, but yeah, if any of your listeners want to reach out and learn more, we're happy to talk to anybody who wants to learn more about this uh, wild world of sketching and how it can make virtual events even better. This has been a jam-packed pod. It's been brilliant. Uh, thank you so much for giving your time up. And we've covered some some all sorts of different subjects. And I love the uh, improving your listening uh, by being an active listener. I think that's really important for all of us. And as you said, uh, in all walks of life, so not just at work, uh, we can be better leaders, but also better husbands, better wives, better partners, uh, and better parents even. So, Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about parenting. We didn't even talk about parenting. That's a big one. That's the next pod. Yeah, uh, we'll <laughs> thank you so much for uh taking part uh, it's been brilliant i can't wait to see uh the sketch effect at a future uh event um and uh and look forward to probably speaking to you again at some point online but for now thank you thanks for listening thanks for watching please do hit the subscribe button uh and uh please tell your friends that would be great but for now that's a goodbye from me and goodbye from william 
Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to share. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleet.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon.